1: 225 274 1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word.
0: all i for today, Master, Savior. I have come seek you. Come on, high five three people around you and saying, Looking good. You're looking good, looking good. So tonight we are concluding, and I almost hate to say those words concluding because I hate to almost end this series. I have really superly enjoyed this series, WWW, WWD, WWD, Why We Do What We do establishing the proper pillars that need to be lifting up our lives come on if you are if you are not praying you need to pray and you need to pray first in your life if you're not a worshiper you need to worship God if you don't have the Holy Spirit and the evidence of speaking in other tongues it's a power source that God wants you to have it's a pillar for your life. And then Sunday, we presented the last truth, the last pillar that we want to talk a little bit about tonight again, and that is called tithing, tithing, tithing. And I pray, let me say it again, that you have added each one of these four great truths to your daily life. So let's look at tithing again tonight, really bringing back to God. And I want to begin by asking you a question tonight. I want to ask you this question, where Do you want to live? Where do you want to live? Do you want to live in a state of need? Do you want to live in a state of greed? So what do we know about need? Never getting ahead. Never having enough. What do we know about greed? Having more than enough, but yet I can't get no. No satisfaction because I always want more and I want more and I want more. Or do you want to live with a seed? So where do you want to live tonight? In need, with greed, or having a seed, something you can sow? Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 8. Here's a powerful passage in regards to tithing and giving in the New Testament. And it says this, but I say... And it's interesting to note, it's Jesus that is saying this through Paul. Obviously, he's, in, he's writing as the Spirit of God has given him the utterance, but he is speaking on behalf of Christ when he says these words. He said, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, so let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. That word there is with compulsion being forced to. For God loves a what? Cheerful giver. In the Greek, it's really a hilarious giver. Someone who ha, ha, ha loves to give. And verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you, remember that, That you always have an all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Wow, what an awesome scripture. And that's not just a scripture, that's a promise for you because the Bible says that you, hey, yeah, you may have what? Sufficiency in all things. What a promise. But what do we realize from God's word? Every promise has a premise. Every promise has a premise. What are we doing in order to receive the promise of God? Let me give you a quick background. As Paul is writing this, he's the author of Corinthians, writing to the church of Corinth. As he is writing this, he's about to send some people to them to collect a special offering. They said they wanted to give to the suffering Macedonian church. A church in Macedonia, the church in Corinth says, we want to give. So Paul is bragging on them a little bit. He's telling the other churches of the area about this great church that wants to do something to help, to stand in the gap, to help with the needs of other people. And he's commending them for their willingness to give. But what he is also doing is he is using the opportunity to still teach them the truth about giving. We see the same thought through Jesus in Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Jesus said these words, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Will it be put into who? Your neighbours? No, into your bosom, into your lap. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured Back to you. And that's not just talking about money tonight. That's a principle of life. Come on, you sow joy. You're going to reap joy. Come on now. You're going to get back what you give and God gives it back. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. But what we've got to understand, Corinthians and Luke, the passages we just read, are not given as a motivation to get. Well, if I give, I get That should never be our motivation to get. I don't give because I get. I give, why? Because I have the privilege to be able to give. I give out of relationship and love towards God. If God never gave me anything else back, come on, I could never repay Him for everything that He has given to me. So the promises that God gives us are not to motivate us to look to say, well, I get back. But He gives us promise to free us from the fear of giving and show us the rewards that take place when we are obedient and we give. Let's jump in again at verse 7. It says these words, So let each one give as he or she purposes in their heart, not grudgingly or of necessity compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. You're the one tonight that God allows to decide what your giving looks like. What does your giving look like? Now, God gives us the starting point. God says we to bring the tithe, which is 10%. So God gives us the starting point, and it's not a suggestion. He commands that for every one of us because He knows the blessing that it holds. But that 10% is just the starting line. It's not the checkered line. A lot of people think, oh, man, I'm giving that 10%. Man, I'm at the end. No, you're just at the start line because it's not the checkered line. What does your giving look like? You have the choice. The NIV version says each one of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but God loves a cheerful giver. So the amount really God has shown me where to start But really, what's my responsibility is this. How do I choose to give that? Do I choose to give it grudgingly and reluctantly? Or do I choose to give it cheerfully, gratefully, thankfully? Because that's up to me. I'm telling you right now, one of my favorite things to do is to give to God. absolutely love giving to God. When Kelly and I sold our house and we had quite a little bit of money that came in, man, I was so excited to give that tithe to God. Now, I couldn't give it all because we didn't own the whole house. We just got a little. But man, when I, Christmas gifts and just, man, I get so excited when people give me stuff because I look forward to being able to tithe it and I get excited about the opportunity. Kelly said to me sometimes, come on, I'm going to do it. Don't worry, because I'm like, babes, have you done it yet? Have you tithed it? Have you, have you done, that's why I love text giving so much, man. I don't have to wait till Sunday. I can just do it in my kitchen. I can do it in my car. I can do it wherever. I can just text it in and bam, it's taken care of. And I love that. So how do you get to that place? You may be saying today, how do I get to that place like you, Pastor, that I love that, that, that state of cheerfulness because it's tough for me to give. It's, it's hard still for me to give. Here's how you get to that place. Are you ready? you got to allow God to do a work in your heart. you got to allow God to change your heart. Because what is our heart? You know what our heart looks like? Our heart looks like these three things. Are you ready? Our heart looks grudgingly. Many times we have a selfish heart. And what else do we look in our hearts? Our hearts tend to be greedy. Come on, we have a grudging spirit, we have a selfish spirit, and we have a greedy spirit that most of us deal with. That's the sin nature inside every one of us. That's the natural state of our hearts. And God wants to do a work inside of us so instead of grudgingly, we'll be gratefully given. Come on, begin to think of what God's done for your life. Think about the person that's maybe sitting beside you. You don't deserve that person, but God set that up and and, and God changed and moved upon their life and now you're married and life is great. Look at your circumstance, the vehicle that you drove in, the car, just everything, the breath in your body. We don't deserve any of that and our hearts so many times can be grudging, but we've got to have a grateful heart. It's time that we start giving thanks for everything. That's what God wants to do. He wants to change my grudging heart into a grateful heart. And if you haven't realized it, you've got so much to give thanks for. You have so much to be thankful for. Then God wants to turn my selfishness into an unselfish heart. So I can see the needs of other people and say, I can play a part. I can help. I can do. I can be. Because then God wants to take my greediness and God wants to make me generous. That I can have a generous heart. Because when I'm grateful, unselfish and generous I'm now a cheerful giver I'm now the giver that God wants us to be and look what it says in verse 8 and God is able first four words are massive God is able listen to me it takes a step of faith to believe this You've either got to believe it or not. God is either able or He's not. Someone was sharing with me a story before church of their family and what was going on. And they said, you know what? I'd be happy if God just did this. And really what they were saying is, I'd be happy if God just did half the work. I said, hold on a second. Don't believe for God to do a half work. God is either able or He's not. He can either do it all or He won't do it whatsoever. But trust Him that He is able to do it all. God is able. Able. You've got to trust Him. A tithe is a step of faith. But when Kelly and I tithe, you know what we're saying? God is able to meet our needs. God is able to meet as we give and as we release. I know if I hold on to it, I'm not able to meet my need, But I know that God is able. And I've got to believe that He is able to do what? Look what it says. Read on. To make all grace abound towards you. That you always come on. God wants to give all grace, He wants to do everything that you could ever need in your life. And how often does He want to do it? It said He wants to do it always, not just sometimes. God wants to do it always. Read on that you always will have all sufficiency in all things. How many things? Come on, in all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. If you're not going to get excited, I'm going to get excited tonight because this is powerful. I love to hear about tithing and giving. I love to be reminded the rewards and blessings that come. And God says this, if you trust me with your tithe by saying I'm able, because that's what we're doing by faith, we're saying, God, you are able. God says, then I can take that ableness and I can multiply grace to your life. And I can give you the sufficiency of everything that you could ever need in your life. You see, here's the process. you got to cheerfully give. And as you cheerfully give, you believe in God is able. And when you believe in that God is able, He meets sufficiently every need of your life. You see, you can't get to verse 7 and 8 if you don't go through verse 6. And verse 6 talks about how we sow, that we have to sow, that we have to release it and give it. And I want to make something very clear when we talk about sufficiency and all that you could ever need. I want this statement to be clear. Come on. He is talking about sufficiency of needs, not your wants. Big difference between what we need and what we want. What we need is to live. What we want is just to have a higher life. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on, I, 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 want, I need a car, but I want a Porsche 911. There you go, there you go. Come on, I, 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 I need food, but I want a steak and surf and turf and lobster and shrimp. Do you see the difference in our lives? Yet so many times, what do we do? We allow fear to rule our lives and we don't give. Because we allow ourselves to be beat down by thinking things like this. But what if I don't have enough? But what if I give and I'm not going to have enough for the rest of my bills? What, What if I lose my job? What if, 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 what, if? So many questions that we have. But here's what you need to be reminded tonight. Listen to me. Money is not our sufficiency in the first place. God is our sufficiency. If you're placing your faith in money, that's mammon of this world. You're going to be disappointed because it's going to fail you. It's going to let you go. And it's just going to, it doesn't care about you. Our sufficiency is not in money, but our sufficiency is in God. I'm going to go a little step further. Our sufficiency ain't in the White House. Our sufficiency is on the golden throne in heaven, amen? (laughs) Come on, my sufficiency ain't in my job. My sufficiency isn't in my abilities. My sufficiency is in God because I am trusting God because to trust anything else other than God is idolatry. And it's making those things an idol in our lives. And we're going to bow to worship those things. And all those things are going to do is take, 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 take. And never give, 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 give. But did you know there's a level above sufficiency that God can meet our need? A lot of us are bound by the need, so we think I cannot give because of my need. I'm in debt, I cannot give. But there's an actual level above sufficiency and that's called the level of abundance. Abundance, abundance. But just like there's a test to give in time of need, there's perhaps a greater test to give in times of abundance. I said there's perhaps a greater test to give in times of abundance. It can be tough to give in need, but it can be tougher to give in abundance. It's easier to give tithe off a hundred bucks than what it is on 10,000. Come on now. See what I'm saying? So it's one thing to have just enough, but what do we do when God blesses us and we have a little extra? Can we pass from need, can we pass the test from need and greed? Here's an example. Someone's praying for God to help them. God, help me get out of debt. They get an unexpected bonus. Thank you, Jesus. But often it never occurs to them that they can take that extra money and they can pay down their debt. But instead they say, praise God, God's blessed me. I'm just going to go out and buy a bigger car. I'm just going to buy that thing that I want, that, that latest fitness machine. and Oh, I need that and I need that. Not thinking that God has provided for them abundance so they can take care of and be good stewards with what they have, but they misuse that abundance. Sometimes abundance can be a bigger issue and a problem to us than the need of our lives. And I believe many of us will never experience abundance because God knows that we cannot handle it. And it would destroy us so many times in our life. So listen to me, we're tested in our need, but we're also tested in our greed. But did you know there's another level that's above sufficiency, that's above abundance, and it's the highest of all, and that level is seed, seed, seed. Not need, not greed, but seed. And this is the example that Paul's using here in Corinthians, he uses The analogy or the thought of a sower who sows, showing them a picture in their minds of someone out there sowing a seed. And I wonder today, how do you view your money? Do you view your money that what I have will help to try and meet my need? Or do you view my money as something that will satisfy my greed? Or do you view what God has given you as an opportunity to be a seed? that you can sow and that you can invest. Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9 says, Please remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of God. What is the one saying in here as he writes this? I don't want to have a need, but I don't want to live in greed. God, I want to find a place of contentment in all of those things. I want to find that sweet spot for my life. I, I, I don't want to be struggling for the rest of my life. But God, I don't put me in a place where I have the opportunity for, to forget you. Because God, I still need you every step of my life. God, keep me in that place of seed where I can realize that my help still comes from you. But God, I can allow what comes to me to flow Through me. What you've got to understand tonight is this. God is committed to meeting your need. Do you believe that? God is committed to meeting your needs. But are we committed to using our money as a seed? It's like a farmer. A farmer can have a sack of corn. And he really has two options. The options that he has is this. He can grind all of the corn. He can make it into flour and he can make bread and he can have a big feast and he can maybe eat for a good couple of weeks. Or the second option of what he can do is he can use some of it for bread, but he takes the other of it and he sows it in the field. Here's the question, which reaps the harvest of biggest return? Oh, when we grind it, there's an immediate harvest, but it's not sustained. God wants to give you all sufficiency. God wants to give you sustained blessings in your life. So what will produce your harvest? To eat your seed or to sow your seed? And so many people are eating that which can bring the harvest into their life. Story of a little boy. Remember Jesus with the five loaves and two fishes? The greatest sack lunch ever right there. Come on, he had a little John Silver's kid's meal. Come on now. And he was about to eat that and someone said, hey, Jesus needs some food. Does anyone have any food? And he's looking at the little that he has and all the people. But what would have happened that day if he would have eaten his seed? But what did he do? He gave it. He gave it. Not thinking it could meet the need, but he gave it anyway. And the Bible says that Jesus took it and he blessed it. And guess what happened? It multiplied and it multiplied and it multiplied they didn't only feed about 20,000 people that day, but there were 12 basketfuls left. 12 basketfuls left. Why did God do that? Because God is showing that when he provides, there's always a seed that's left. And we've got to keep seeding it and keep passing on. Come on, go back to 2 Corinthians 9, 10, 11. I want to take some questions soon. So if you've got any questions tonight, get them ready. Come on, it gets better. Are you ready? Listen to this. Now, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberalities, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. In other words, when you give, you're not only blessing and being blessed, but you're causing other people to be blessed and for other people to thank and praise God too. But notice what it says in verse 10 God supplies seed to the who? He doesn't say He po- provides seed to the keeper, He provides seed to the sower. God gives to those who He knows will scatter more, those who will give. More. Have you ever looked at someone? Come on, be honest. We're in church. It's a good place to be honest. Have you ever looked at someone and said, well, it's easy for them to give. I've seen their big house. I I know the money they make. Oh, look, there's no sacrifice. They can afford to give. Oh, that's so easy for them to give. But have you ever stopped and asked a question why they are blessed? It didn't probably start off looking like that for them. It probably was hard. There was a need. Do I, do I pay my car or do I tithe? There was a struggle for them. But they put God to the test and said, God, I believe you're able. You're my sufficiency. God, I'm going to trust you. And God has blessed them. So what do we judge them on? The blessings of God in their lives. Blessings that God can produce in our lives too. And that God is able to do. Listen to me. God will get it to you if he knows he can get it through you. I want to say that one more time because I got like two that was good. Come on, God will get it to you if he knows he can work it through you, if he can trust you. But notice also verse 10 says, he will give seed for the sower and what? Bread for food. God's going to give you back as you sow. God's going to provide for you. God knows what you have need of. Too many of us worry about our needs instead of trusting God. And God says, I'll give you seed to sow and I'll give you bread to eat. I'll I'll meet your every need. Trust him. And he says what? It will supply and I will multiply. Come on, that will supply and multiply the seed that you have sown. God is the only one that can supply it and He's the only one that can multiply it. You can't. You try and hold on to it. Come on, you, 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 try. You, you try and see if your mortgage company can supply and provide it for you. Come on, see if they can multiply it. So many of us look for the lottery. Oh, that will multiply it. No, no, you're putting your faith in the wrong things. That's not what God wants for your life. That's given your life to chance. God doesn't want you to live by chance. He says, I want you to live by faith. Yes. Chance is the devil's equivalent of faith. Come on, that's his imitation of what God has. And you stop looking for man to meet the need that only God can. And God says, not will I only supply bread and I will supply and multiply. God says, and I will increase the fruits of the righteousness. New Living Translation says, then I will produce a great harvest of generosity in you. In other words, God says you'll be changed in the process. Come on, you'll have a better life. You'll have a better marriage. Your kids will like you better. Your boss will like you better. You'll have a better attitude. Your future will be better. Why? Because when you give to God in a right manner, God's going to give back to you in the right manner. And when God gives back, it's not just the finances you need. It's the health that you need, the joy that you need, the peace that you need, the comfort that you need. Because God's got everything under control. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, he's able. So I need to close this and take questions. But let me give quickly three key truths. Number one, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. That's pretty self-evident truth there. And I'm surprised that many expect it to work another way. And you think you can finagle the system and and you can get your way around it. But I'm telling you right now, you're going to reap what you sow. I hear people say, well, you know, pastor, um, God knows my heart. Yeah, he knows your heart, that your heart is what? (laughs) Selfish and ungrateful. That's why you're not given. He knows everything about your heart. Come on, he knows that reluctancy that you have. But Genesis 1, 11 and 12, um, Genesis 1, 11 and 12 says, Let the earth bring forth grass and the herbs that yield and the fruit that yields according to its own kind. Verse 12, And the earth brought forth grass and herbs and yield according to its own kind. In other words, you reap what you sow. What you sow, you're going to reap. It's produced after its own kind. That's a law established in creation. Something that you and I are powerless to change. We, we want to get back a different method. And God says, no, you can't. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to reap what you sow. Here's the second truth. Are you ready? You reap after you have sown. You reap after you have sown. Well, pastor, well, Jesus, someday when I have money, I'll be a giver. It will never happen. I said it will never happen because you can't reap if you haven't sown. Yeah. Come on, you can't reap before you've sown. Genesis 8, while the earth remains, the Bible says, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, shall never stop happening. That's God's way. It's like a farmer going out into a field and standing in the middle of the field, waiting for a crop to come and he hasn't sowed a seed. And in the middle of the field, he's praying and saying, but God, if you give me a harvest, oh, I'll sow back and I'll give to you. Come on, it doesn't work like that. Wow. You've got to sow before you reap. Because here's how we get it wrong. Are you ready? We say this to God, when you do, then I'll do. Come on, we get it wrong because God says it this way. No, when you do, God says, I'll do. Come on now. We get it so backwards. And The Bible reminds us and tells us that if we can be faithful in the little things, God can bless us with what? Much more. But until we do the little, we'll never see the more. Here's a statement for you. If you haven't heard anything else tonight, you hear this. You need to start where you are. Come on, you have to start where you're at. Well, I just want to be able to give a lot to God. Just give your tithe. Just give what you can. Get that out of your hands right now because you're robbing God if you're holding on to that. You're stealing from God what's already His. Start where you're at. Be faithful where you're at. Never minimize where you're Oh, well, I just don't have much to give. Let me tell you, it doesn't matter the amount as long as you're given the right amount. Come on, I said it doesn't matter the amount as long as you're given His portion, that tenth of to God. It doesn't matter if it's just $5. Praise God. God can bless you more than you can imagine with $5 because He can take five loaves and two fish and feed a multitude. Number three, you reap more than you sow. Ooh, I like that one. Come on, say with me. Multiplication. Come on, you reap more than you sow. Psalms 126, 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing his sheaths with him. What a great picture the psalmist is making. That maybe we're sown in in sorrow and joy and it's been heartache and pain. But you know how we're going to reap in joy. Why? Because God's going to give us the blessings that we need in our lives. Why? Because we always get more from God when we give His way. You ready with your questions? Listen to me. We must pass the test of need through trusting God to take care of us. You must pass the test of greed. By using your abundance wisely and in obedience to God's prompting. And you and I must pass the test of seed. That we must be willing to sow bountifully as we observe God's principles of seed time and harvest. So, what do you want to be? In a state of need? Living a life of greed? Or allowing what you have to be a seed? Because I'm telling you, where the blessing comes is not in the need, it's not in the greed. But it's in the seed. Because as you sow, God will bless you. God will bless you. Anyone got any questions tonight on tithing that we can help you? Mr. Haas, hold on. Wait till the mic. Wait till the mic comes. Hold on. There you go.
2: And he'll bless you spiritually. That's right. And that spiritual is something that when the devil comes against you, you've got this spiritual blessing that God believes blesses you because you sowed. It give you the power to overcome Satan. So you get blessed naturally. It's physical things and you will get blessed spiritually. Come on.
0: Come on. It's awesome. That's what he says. He's allowing that righteousness to rise inside of us. Come on. Increase the fruits of your righteousness. Anyone else got a question on tithing? Don't be embarrassed tonight. Come on. Shout it out and I'll help you in any way I can. Okay, so...
2: I had wanted to ask you this for a long time anyway, but... um, So what if, I'm asking for a friend. (laughs) So what if, okay, you know, you you get your paycheck, and it's like, boom, you take the 10% off, or or however, you know, what you're supposed to take off, and you just automatically give it, but it's like, you know, it's just in this person's mind, it's kind of, it's just like paying a bill. It's not reluctantly, but it's like, oh, that's got to be paid, that's got to be paid. Is that
0: that bad? It's it's not necessarily bad, but what I would say to that person is that what you need to ask God is to give you a joyful spirit for it. Because what we've got to realize is what happens, what's the promise as I give? The promise is I'm going to receive. Now how that happens, I don't know, but God is going to give back to me. So if I reluctantly give it, many times I'm not in a position to cheerfully receive it. So the blessings can come, but sometimes they won't impact me or do for me really what they are able to do. And and so I'm limiting almost the return of God. But when I cheerfully give it to God and release it, man, I'm happy to see the return and I'm believing God. And it can be a big thing. It's a massive thing. I understand that, especially if you don't have enough to start with. It's, It's so tough because your knee can scream out and say there's no way you can do it. But that's why... God speaks about supernatural blessings. You can't do the calculator and do the math and figure it out because that's not what God's supernatural is, not something we can figure out. That's natural. God's a supernatural God. And he wants us to live supernaturally. And to do that, we've got to be obedient to do that. So what I would say is, you know, I know it says be cheerful and stuff. And sometimes we can reluctantly give. The most important thing, first of all, is we are giving. But then what we need to do is ask God to work on our hearts that we give in the right manner too because I believe there's another blessing that can come that when we give. If we're faithful to give our tithe, God will bless us. But I really truly believe what we see in Corinthians, the way that we give that can open up a greater opportunity of blessing in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay. Can
3: I I just hang on to that? Yeah. Just say that even though if you're paying your tithe, or sorry, if your friend is paying their tithe... (laughs) Um, the same way that they pay their bills, in other words, if you add it on auto payment, for example, that you have a certain amount going out of your account on the same day as all your bills go out you 're paying your bills out of obligation, but you 're paying your tithe dutifully, and there 's a difference between being dutiful and doing something under obligation. Yeah. The pain might still be there, and you might not always be overjoyed because you know in your back of your mind you 've got other bills and everything to pay. But it's not a bad thing because you are paying dutifully as opposed to under obligation. Yeah. So you can do something dutifully, but do it with joy. Uh, whereas an obligation tends to put you under pressure to actually do it.
0: Cool. And when you're doing that, you're saying, God, you're able. Yeah. You're my sufficiency. You're the one I trust. Leslie?
4: I have two parts, personal and business. So is it gross or net? Or, and is it profit or income?
0: Okay. Okay, good questions. Uh, scripturally? Scripturally, the Bible doesn't tell us whether it's gross, gross or net. But what I believe is this. I believe why should God get the leftovers after the government has taken? Because if I'm on my statement of what I make for the year, what's on the top is what I make before taxes. And then what's on the bottom is what's after everything is taken, if that makes sense. So what Kelly and I have believed and preached and teach. And again, this is not something forced, whatever you feel, but we we are gross tithers Uh, and we tithe. People say, well, what about gifts? Do you tithe on gifts? Here's what I would say. What do you want the blessing of God on? If you want the blessing of God on your gifts, then tithe that too, because there's a blessing that's attached to giving. So what I say is this too. Do I want a gross blessing or do I want a net blessing? And a net blessing is something that can be withheld and contained where a gross is just out there. And then what I would do when you're talking about business and stuff like that, then um, what was the question? Do I tithe on profit or income? income? It's the same deal. It's, I, I would tithe on the income that you have and look at that. Because again, what is your sufficiency with all those kind of stuff? Uh, and But again, like with the business and, and stuff, I mean, look at it however you feel. If you've got income and a lot of expenditure and nearly all of it, you know, I mean, just look at that and be sensible with it, but just make sure that you're tithing. And that's the key thing in all of that. Mr. Haas?
2: Uh, something about, about giving. If Trey was here, he would say, he would say Mr. Haas, you are a rebuke the devourer, Haas, right? Here's how God blesses you He rebukes the devourer. Now, here's what happens. You think, well, all of a sudden, I can't believe my air conditioner is 20 years old, 30 years old. God will bless you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, you might say, well, my bank account hasn't, I don't see this increase that much. But you know what? All of a sudden, I was telling somebody the other day, my mother gave me a toaster when I was married about 6, 70 years ago. I put some bread in it the other day. That thing is still working. 60 years old toaster. I put the bread in and toast it comes back up again. But God will rebuke the devour. And this is all part of giving. He will rebuke the devour. Things won't wear out. Things won't break. you think, man, this is amazing how God has blessed me. Now, he doesn't all the time bless you in financial. But if you keep looking around and you keep seeing, you think, hey, this is how God's always blessed me. He's blessed me this way. He's blessed me that way. He constantly gives you blessings pressed down. Shaking together and running over. And, buddy, that's good blessing.
0: Come on. Amen. Any other questions? Any other questions? Hope this helped. Good questions, by the way. Anyone else? Come on, Craig. Pete's running over to
4: you. Well, I do. uh, I have a business and personal. And our personal, we always tie. But uh, I know on my business side, I tie that as well. But also, like, there's times that I feel... Rather than tithing a certain amount, I'll give my service, you know, like a a cleaning or something. So how would that, you know, I still tithe, but, you know, how would that work out if I just give my service as kind of like a
0: tithe? Okay, and we've got people who do that and have done that. One of the things that I would say is this, a tithe is something that is given. Now, we can say I'm giving my time, but we're in control of that. Well, really a tithe is something that we surrender and give over and we say now it's no longer in my control. Does that make sense? Because we could then justify all that. Well, I'm going to church, so that's my tithe. I'm doing this and that's my tithe. And those things are great, but I would call that an offering more than a tithe. And because a tithe is something that you remove out of you. It's, it's something that you release and give to God that you don't have control over anymore where an offering is something above and beyond, which is, is a great, that brings a thought. Tithe is your 10%, and that's what you bring. And then your offering is when you start really giving. That's above your 10%. And that's why I would say to a lot of people, and not trying to put you in legalism and stuff, but say your tithe on Sunday is $33 because you made three hundred and thirty-three dollars and your tithe is $33. Why not write the check for 35 Why not write the check for 40? It's not a big stretch. You know, I've seen people, and it's fine. We're not judging you. Please listen to me. As long as you're paying your tithe, that's the first step. But I've seen people give tithes to the church, $16.27. And I'm like, well, that's perfect. That's awesome. I'm glad that. But make it 17 bucks. Come on, it's less writing for one thing, amen? Make it 20. Just, You know what I'm saying again? Why? Because then you're stepping into that giving realm. It's a great question. I would make sure that the tithe is something that I'm surrendering and giving and then the offering is something above and beyond that then I can use to serve and to bless other people. Miss D?
4: This is just a comment, but if you really want to see blessings, pay tithes on what you want to be blessed on, not on your 10%. If you can, pay your tithes on what you need and what you want to receive.
0: And it's, it's, a, it's an awesome thing, that what happens. And I know in our minds, we're like, oh man, how can I do that? I'm telling you, it works. It works. There's two testimonies. Those that say, I don't know how, but it works, who tithe. And the second one, oh, I don't know. I, I, I can't do that. Don't withhold the hand of blessing that God wants to give into your life. And pay first. Someone was really challenged with the illustration I gave on Sunday. You know, the $10 and how much is your tithe one, but which one? The first. Try and make it the point that the first thing that you write out, the first thing that you give is your tithe. And, and then God knows your needs, and God knows everything that you need after that. And trust Him and believe that He's going to provide to you everything that you need. Good questions. Anyone else got a question? Any? Come on. Yeah, of course you can, Kristen awesome encourages
4: um when i first got saved and i was married my husband at the time didn't believe in tithing and so and i wanted to tithe but i didn't work i didn't have an income so i mean i would tithe my time or volunteer when i could but he would give me seventy dollars a week for groceries (laughs) he never knew but i would take seven dollars come on and i would tithe that and god would stretch and bless i mean so
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I've had a good question with that. We've had that asked quite a lot. You know, my husband's unsaved. My wife's unsaved. I don't want to cause problems. What do I do? And, and what we talked with those people about is most had an allowance or they had an income themselves. And what I encourage them in not a devious, unhanded way, share with your spouse, let them know. But that's something that's important to me and tithe off what you do have. And like you're saying, even if it's just a little, I'm telling you, God's not going to bless you according to how much you give. God's blessing you in accordance to your obedience to give the amount. So like the lady with the widow with the two coins, Jesus noticed her above those. Can we use the illustration? She gave two pence and someone over there gave 500 bucks. And Jesus didn't care about the 500 or the 5,000. He saw two copper pennies and he said she's given more than them. Why? Because she gave everything she had. They gave out of their increase. But what I'm saying right now, don't ever underestimate, because that's what we talked about Sunday. It's equal sacrifice. It's not equal amount. It's equal sacrifice that every one of us gives our percentage. And that's what I love about God. He doesn't demand an amount. He gives a percentage, and it's fairer, because if you have less, the percentage really is less. And so that's how God works. And God does simple math too. Come on, if you can't figure out 10%, then we can help you with that. But, um, and um, like 10% of 100 is 20. Just want you to know that. And um, so just in case you're checking with that. And 10% of 10,000 is 5,000. So there you go. So you can, anyone else? One last thing, we don't want to tie God's hands. And we
2: use a not- reluctant giver, a cheerful giver tie his hands. Give it cheerfully. Don't worry about, when do I give my girls? Do I give it on my net or whatever? He's going to bless you because he, he loves a cheerful giver. So don't tie his hands. Let him bless you. Let him bless you. Press down, shaking together, and running over. Come on.
0: Amen. Someone had a question. April, you had a question. Okay. Yeah, that's fine.
4: Um, So a couple years ago, me and Chai were sitting right here on this row, and somebody was sitting in front of us, and we were having financial problems like really bad didn't share it with anybody because we were very embarrassed um but i had a ten dollar bill in my wallet and i opened it up when the tithe buckets came around and i said god that's all the money that i have and um god said no you tithe it and i was like but that's all i have." and he's like no you tithe it so put it in there and literally as the buckets went that way someone turned around and said here and then said don't open it yet so i opened it in the car and it was a hundred dollars that she blessed us with and she said God told her to give that to us and put it in a card. So God already knew way before because she didn't just write it sitting there. So I just wanted to share that there's been plenty more, but that was just something that I'll never forget because God multiplied that by, what, 10? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And you know what happens as you start to give? You get stories like that and then you give more and you give more and you give more. And one thing Kelly and I have done, and this is something that I really challenge every one of you to do, Kelly and I have given everything to God. We've told God our house is yours. We've told God our cars are yours. We've told God our clothes. You can even have our dog. There you go. Our kids are yours. We we don't have ownership on anything that we have. We've taken stewardship, and we're going to steward those, but we don't have ownership. So I'm telling you right now, as God hears me, if God turned around to Kelly and I tomorrow and said, give someone your house, I would give it. Seriously, I would give it. I'd ask probably for confirmation, but I would give it now. Why? Because our life is not, that's a blessing and thank God, but that's not what's going to keep my life. We've got greater blessings, our family, our children, just all those kind of things. If God was to ask, all those things, in other words, are just material things and mean nothing to me. But what means the most to me is my obedience and my willingness to give to God. And I just challenge you with that. Because when you start realizing it's all God's, it's so much easier to give. Like that $100 bill, remember? It's so easy to give because it wasn't yours in the first place. And so think of it like that. Don't hold on to something Because if you hold on to it, you can't multiply it and you can't bless it. All you can do is diminish it because you're going to spend and take and spend and take. But when you release it, you're giving it to a God that can multiply it and increase it. And I encourage you, read that scripture from Corinthians. If every day you need to read it, God, you're going to provide seed to me. You're going to provide bread for me. I'm going to have all sufficiency. I'm not going to be in need. All grace is going to abound. God, I believe that and I receive that. Amen. Come on, let's stand to our feet all over this place. Pete, you had a question? No, good. Come on, say what you need to say, mate.
3: I was just going to say that God told me to tell you to give me your house.
0: Come on, there you go. Awesome, awesome. And pray for Pete for deception in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, we want to pray for you tonight. Precious Jesus, precious Jesus. Can you just do something? Can you just open your hands? Can you just do that? Just open your hands in front of you and kind of hold them up a little bit. What are we doing? God, we're just surrendering everything to you. God, everything we have, God, we're giving to you. God, the blessings that we have, God, we are so blessed. (laughs) Our kids laugh. I I know your kids probably the same when they, they grumble and complain. We start talking about kids in Africa and places and our kids say, well, we're not in Africa, Dad. No, we're not. And thank God. But you know, there's a lot of people starving in Baton Rouge. There's a lot of people hurting all around us. And we are so blessed, so blessed. If you have money in your bank account now, do you know that you're probably in the top 10% of this world? Think about that. Top 10% of this world that you have some money right now in your bank account. You're like, no, there's no way. Yeah, way. Because that's how much poverty and that's how much hurt and pain there is around us. We're so blessed. Heavenly Father, God, we just surrender our hands to you. God, we surrender our hands as a token, God, of our money, of our tithe, of the gift that you've given to us. And God, we pray that, God, that every one of us today, we came in here with something that wasn't ours, and that's our tithe. And God, I pray that we've been faithful with that. God, we're not trying to put people under obligation. We're not trying to put people under legalism. We're trying to bring people into a place of freedom because there's freedom in obedience. There's freedom in giving. There's freedom in blessing because God, then we release you to do supernaturally things. That means, God, you can do things above our wildest dreams. God, you, you can do amazing things if we'll just allow you. If we just afford you the opportunity, if we'll be faithful in just a little, God, you will increase and bless. God, in ways that we couldn't even imagine. and God, we're not talking about bigger cars and bigger houses and bigger paychecks. God, if you want to give us that abundance, God, we want to be faithful with that. But God, we're just talking about all the blessings that you want to give to our lives. And God, we just thank you for that. We thank you that, God, our tithe can provide the opportunity for the lights and the air to be on in this church, that people can come in and receive you and see salvation come. God, what a blessing that is. That we can help turn a soul away from hell. God, we have a part to play in that. God, every soul that's saved, every person that's healed, every life that's transformed in this place. God, we're a part of that if we are sowing into the house because God, that's part of our blessing and our return. And God, may we see that. New families and new lives. God, we're a part of that. Not only here, but in Nicaragua. God, not only here, but in Israel, not only here, but nationally as we're helping plant churches all over this country. God, as we're feeding people locally, as we're touching people who are going to door of hope. God, we're playing a part with our giving. God, we're touching lives and eternities. We're saving babies from abortion. God, there's so many things that we're doing, God. And that's why, God, you said, as we give, there'll be food in my house. And God, we need food in the house. God, so there can be others that can be fed. And God, we pray that you would bless us, help us, strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's word into effect. At HeartSeas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.